So before we start sitting tonight, I wanted to talk a little bit about meditation practice, and in particular about two aspects of practice which we can think of as uh, two different orientations, although ultimately they aren't actual, they aren't really separated, but I'm going to talk about them in separate ways, first of all, and then maybe talk about how they blend. So after I get through with this, which probably will take me 10 minutes, then we'll do our meditation. But So the two orientations are the orientation towards what we'd call uh, concentration on a single object, or orientation towards moment-to-moment awareness of whatever is arising, uh, sometimes called choiceless awareness. So uh, the Buddha recommends that if the mind is kind of scattered or you're uh, unsettled, that you start to focus on a single object. So that's what we typically use the breath for. But you can use many, many different objects. You can use sound. Many people use sound. You can use a mantra. You can use visualization. Um, so, uh, so that's the, to try to get the mind settled to the point that you're kind of grounded a little bit and you're not just spinning out. Then, w- when we are settled, we can practice more in this... Ca- what I would call a more open way, where we're not trying to necessarily control where the mind goes, but more observe the passing experiences that come and go. And this is the more typical, what we call Vipassana practice, that's sort of the basis of of Spirit Rock uh, meditation teachings. Now, In my experience, and I think it's true for most people, these two aren't really separate. They, we tend to blend them together. But it's good to be able to kind of view them as separate a little bit in your own practice to kind of uh, make decisions about what you're going to do as you're sitting there um, so that... Uh, you're not just kind of floating along, but you're kind of consciously or intentionally practicing in a certain way. Now, when most teachers, including myself, give meditation instructions, usually what we give is a blending of these two. So when we say, bring your attention to your breath, we're we're suggesting the single meditation object, right? So that's the concentration object. That's the first orientation I talked about. And then we say, if the mind wanders, we might say something like, notice the quality of the thought, or notice uh, if you're falling into desire or aversion. Or if there's a noise, if, if there becomes a strong noise, you can take your attention to that. Or if there's a strong sensation, you might want to pay attention to that. So that's then moving into the more open, not exactly choiceless, but more open awareness of, of following moment-to-moment change. I think most people, I know in my own practice, I kind of blend these two together because I'm sitting And I'm kind of, I'll maybe start with the breath and then I'll kind of open up a little bit and I might be doing okay and then I'll kind of find that I'm, whoa, I'm kind of 
you know, I'm spacing out now. And then I'll just kind of ground again with the breath, center again with the breath for just a few breaths. And then I'll kind of open up again. So this is really about the art of practice and trying to kind of think about it in somewhat mechanical terms or uh, mechanical for lack of a better word um, or systematic terms. Something that isn't ultimately mechanical or systematic really. Uh, One of the problems I have or frustrations I have sometimes with the way meditation is taught is that it's kind of describing the mind in a way that really doesn't map with my own experience. It's kind of like everything fits into this nice little box and just do this and just do this and then come back, you know, and and instead my experience is more like, you know, just much more amorphous than that. Um, And one of the things that, a couple things brought this up for me. I I just came off of my own retreat uh, sitting for a few weeks and um, I was listening to some talks from Joseph Goldstein, who tends to teach in this very structured way. But then, I, during the retreat, I called uh, one of my own teachers, who's actually a spirit rock teacher, and was talking to him as kind of as just some support for my for my retreat. And I was describing how I practice, and then he was describing how he practices, and neither of us described something that sounds like it's out of the spirit rock guided, guided meditation, you know. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. This guy's been practicing for you know, decades, and I've been practicing for decades. And it seems that what happens is that uh, your practice evolves into something, and it's sort of a blend of things. And it's, it's not necessarily uh, fitting into the tradi- any traditional form. And this is actually something that I've noticed. I, I've talked about how I, in January I was teach, teaching a class at St. Mary's College. and um, It's a month-long class, four days a week, and the, the students have to meditate every day in class and at home and then journal about their experience in meditation. And one of the things I find, you know, I teach them just traditional practices, and they, and I, they do some readings on basically traditional practices, well, relatively traditional and what I find is after a couple of weeks, they start to make up their own practice. And it just starts to become this organic thing. All of a sudden, they're like blending their loving kindness in with some, a little breath and a little, or they'll, they'll, do, they'll just make up something completely different. You know? and, uh, and I think that, I hope that everybody does that to some extent. I think if we're trying to fit our practice into a box, it's just going to, always be painful, you know, because our minds aren't shaped like a box. And, and there can be this, one of the real struggles in practice is to try to fit our practice into a model. So I wanted to kind of put out like kind of this idea about, okay, there are these components that we can kind of break down in practice, but also you have to figure out really how they work for you, right? So not to, not to um, just abandon any kind of form, uh, but also not to be, um, create suffering through, through something that's supposed to be relieving suffering. 
the irony, right? I'm going to practice right, and then we're like miserable. It's like, why am I meditating? Okay, so I hope that's of some help. I'm not sure I, I explained that as well as, you know, the perfect Dharma teacher that I, you know, I'm supposed to be. Would have, but we'll practice forgiveness and then move on. So uh, let's let's try uh, meditating and see what happens. No holding hands during meditation. It's, it's not okay. You can do whatever you want, actually. You know, just. <coughs> Maybe we should all hold hands. Okay. Apparently, this is. People have to get settled. Okay. Well, um, I'm just going to ask those who are ready to uh, begin by gently closing your eyes. And sometimes the very moment that you close your eyes is the best, best moment of your meditation. So enjoy it. Nothing's happening yet. I like to begin with some conscious relaxation. Moving the attention through the body, softening and connecting with the life and energy in the body. Relaxing the muscles in the face, the jaw, the eyes, the forehead. Relaxing the shoulders. the arms and hands. Feeling the sensations in the hands. Softening the belly, opening the chest. Relaxing the large muscles in the back. Relaxing through the hips and pelvis, the legs and feet. Letting any tension 
drain out of the body through the feet into the earth. As you come to stillness, groundedness, Now, just feeling the body sitting. See if you can be aware of the whole body as a single thing. Which contains many different sensations. without losing awareness of the body, opening also to awareness of sound. Sound in the room, perhaps some sound from outside. Sound from inside your own body. To listen, the mind must become still, just naturally. Where there's body, sounds, open to to your mood or emotions that might be present right now. You might just call this your attitude or mental state. Might have an emotional component or it might be more just an attitude like a Calm or restlessness, interest or boredom, maybe a sense of stress or peacefulness. May not be 
definable exactly. You might just say pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. So now we've kind of created the background or the scenario of our moment-to-moment experience. Sounds and sensations, mood, thoughts coming and going. These are the things that we notice with that open, choiceless awareness. And to center the mind and to become more concentrated, we begin to pay attention to the breath. Just feeling the sensations of breath. not trying to block out all the rest. But rather letting the breath be at the center of your experience while all the rest is there in the background and maybe in the outlying areas. One way to experience this is to sense where the breath is spatially in your field of awareness. It often seems that the breath is, in a sense, right at the center of that field. we bring that into the foreground while letting all the rest be there but in the background there's a quality of ease in this in that we're not trying to push away anything or narrow the mind to zoom in on the breath.
but rather that we are highlighting the breath. While having a sense of the fullness of being. It's natural for the mind to wander, for thoughts to carry us away, to lose this spacious present moment awareness. Our practice is to sit Be with the breath and this field of awareness. And then when we lose that, to gently come back and start again. It's this repetition of effort of returning to the breath that trains the heart and mind to rest in the present moment. Sometimes it's a great relief to let go of a thought and come back. And other times it's a struggle. The mind doesn't want to let go. Or the thoughts of stirred up, messy feelings, worries, concerns. So our practice doesn't always bring us comfort or relief. But it trends towards that.
critical moment in our practice is when we become uncomfortable, whether mentally or physically. And this is when we're challenged And we're challenged to either go deeper into practice or what? There can often be a sense that we need to find a way out of this, to get around this, to change this. But ultimately, the only way to work with challenges is to go into them to surrender. And we have to find out for ourselves what that means, how we can do that. When it's difficulty in the body, it often demands another level of relaxation. A relaxation that is a, an acceptance. allowing ourselves to fully feel that which we would like to avoid. The same, of course, is true of difficult emotions. We are trained to solve problems, to fix difficulties. This practice demands something different.
what happens if we stop solving and fixing.
Um, so I didn't uh, mention uh, that my name is Kevin Griffin, and I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict, and this is the Dharma in Recovery class. And even though I was only talking about meditation and not recovery, I was talking about recovery. So um, uh, the two have kind of blended so much now in my own consciousness and my teaching that sometimes I forget to make the things explicit, um, the connections explicit. I certainly think of that surrender that I was talking about during the sitting as, as uh, very much tied to our recovery process. Um, so, uh, maybe a question or two before we take a break, if there are any. Uh, yeah. One just on meditation. Um, if I, is the, the act of focusing on my breathing, or concentrating on my breathing, or putting attention to my breathing, um, am I consciously trying to, and I can, I can kind of do that, I guess, but relax, or is the act of paying attention to the breathing what induces the state of relaxation? Oh, good question. So does, am I supposed to relax or does paying attention to the breathing help me to relax? Is that kind of the... It's just the, yeah, it's the mere action of, uh, or am I trying, am I also trying to induce this sort of relaxation uh-huh. process? Yeah, wow, that's a really good question. Am I trying to induce the... Relaxation. Of course, that's something forcing it, but I mean, I'm not... No, yeah, no, there, uh, there, there is a way you know, uh, in which, yes, we kind of uh, we use the expression inclining the mind or inclining towards, rather than like grasping at something, but kind of like looking. Sometimes I, it feels as though I'm kind of looking for that place where the, the knot is that I can untie. And it's... Actively doing that. Yeah, but it's very gentle. You know, and it's and with the understanding that sometimes the knot's not going to be untied and sometimes I'm not going to find it, but that I can kind of incline towards that. So there is a, a gentle um, effort to relax. And as you say, simply doing the practice without making any effort to have the practice do something. The practice itself has, induces that, that effect. Sometimes. I mean, the, the, we're dealing with something here so complex, our mind-body system, and we're dealing with it with this extremely simple tool, uh, which is effective, but it's not like a pill or, you know, a, a surgeon's blade. It's not something that's just, boom, you know, you're doing it. You're, it's, um, you're working with a lifetime's conditioning and the stress of the week and, you know, whatever, you know, your experience with meditation, you know, your last slip, uh, you know, what, whatever, all the stuff. You know, and you close your eyes and go, well, I'm going to control my mind now. You know, and you find out, this is why you know, the first step of, of meditation is seeing that you're powerless over your mind and body. Uh, now, just like with 
drinking and using or any addiction, when we say we're powerless, that doesn't mean we can't actually do something. We participate in our recovery from addiction and from, you know, our, and we re- participate in the development of our meditation, but we're not in control of it. Uh, and that's the, uh, you know, the, there's a paradox in there, and there's a certain frustration in there. You want to control it, right? But I think that coming to realize and surrender to our lack of control is actually the beginning of a natural meditation practice. Um, I say in my last book that probably the biggest difference between my meditation practice and that of the people who come to my classes is that I don't get bothered by the fact that I'm spacing out all the time. (laughs) When you stop worrying about it, then it stops being a problem. We create the problem. Oh, the meditation teacher said, I'm supposed to stop thinking. He did or she did. I didn't really hear that, but that's what people usually hear when they hear, when you notice that you're thinking, come back to your breath. Oh, that means I'm not supposed to think. Not exactly. So it's really just that kind of surrender to it. To me, I say this so often, to me the foundation of practice is just showing up and putting aside the time. Close your eyes, sit still. You know, have a, you know, have some forms that you work with, but uh, trust the process. And that's actually going to be kind of what my talk is about tonight, too. So I'll get into that. that, I I think that's really a good question to just uh, take a break on. But before we take a break, two things. One is, I, I I think it's a really good idea if people get to know each other here a little bit at least say hello. This is a, a group that's got a particular orientation. Uh, we share some, something, and only by talking to each other do we find out exactly what. So I really encourage you to you know, meet the people around you, greet them, this is, uh, and we'll take um, a long enough break so that you can have a little chat. And then I just wanted to mention the, this weekend here, uh, there's a benefit. This is a spirit for the Spirit Rock Scholarship Fund. Uh, Qigong Wisdom Healing Qigong with Master Ming Tanggu. Uh, was really, uh, you know, one of the really respected Qigong teachers. Um, so it's all weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, and then there's a healing canopy tomorrow night. And anybody who knows what that is can tell us. It must be Qigong stuff. So um, let's take a little break and we'll ring a bell and uh, come back in a little while. Thank you. And t- tonight it's going to be step three in one way or another. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.